Hello, this is episode 202. Now in this episode, I'm continuing the conversation about the pack process where you bring a builder on board your design team and they're paid as a consultant, that's why it's called pack, during the pre-construction phase. Now in the last episode, I shared some information on why this process, the pack process, can be a great way to commence your project and what you can achieve with it, plus some key things to be aware of as well. And I also talked about what the pack process is not. So if you haven't listened to that episode, episode 201, I encourage you to stop listening to this one, head back to it now. You'll actually get to hear the why of the pack process. It'll be a great framework for you to then listen to this conversation. And then we'll be waiting here for you when you get back. In this episode, I'm going to be sharing more about the what of the pack process. So I'm going to be talking about what the pack process involves, what it actually can look like as a step-by-step process, key things to be aware of, and how it can also vary depending on the builder and the designer that you're going to be working with. Now, remember that you can download a PDF transcript of this episode for free at www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 202 and that's the numbers 202. So be sure to do that so you can save these notes for your records to review later. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Get It Right podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. With over 25 years industry experience, I've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work, feel great and that you feel great in. I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated and empowered as you design, build or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid-2014, and it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic, feel-good family home, one that works for you now and into the future, one that is sustainable and affordable, and that helps you live a great lifestyle, both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building, whoever you're working with, and whatever your dreams, your location, or your budget, consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now, before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track. Or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next, whatever stage you're at in your project, and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan and that's project plan spelled p-r-o-j-e-c-t-p-l-a-n that's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop and now let's get on with the episode here we go 
I know that many homeowners, when they've heard me talk about the pack process before, they can see how it would be beneficial to their project. I mean, it makes sense to have a builder involved earlier than coming in at tender stage. However, there can be confusion around the actual mechanics of it and what the step-by-step process can look like. Of course, as well, there can be concern about whether you're getting the lowest price available from the builder that you're working with, or whether you're going to end up being trapped in a relationship and an arrangement with no way out, and also no ability to know whether you're getting really good value for money or the best result for your future home. Now, these are all totally understandable concerns. So, Let me explain how the step-by-step process of the pack process can go. This can vary though, you need to be aware of that because it'll be based on the builder and the designer or architect that you're working with, the fee that you're paying and also the type of project that you're planning on doing. Now remember as well, I'm also going to be bringing uh, both a designer and a builder who use this pack process in their businesses. They're going to be coming on the podcast in the next couple of episodes to talk in more detail about how they navigate working this way with their clients. So that'll give you some more insight into what this process can look like in application as well. Now, throughout this episode, I'm going to be referring to the building designer or the architect in this process simply as designer. That's just going to mean I don't have to keep saying those full professional terms of building designer and architect every single time. As I'm taking you through these steps, my expectation is that we're talking about things from the very beginning of your project. So you actually haven't started your design process yet. And that's where I'm talking from in terms of what the pack process can look like. So let's kick off from the beginning with your initial inquiry. So you'll begin the process of getting your design started by making inquiries with builders and or designers. Most homeowners are doing this these days via an inquiry form on their chosen professional's website or by sending an email directly to the business that they might be making an inquiry with. Many homeowners will expect at this point that the next step is purely just to arrange a meeting on site and get the builder or the designer around to their home or to their block of land to talk about their project. However, I believe it's actually better that a builder or a designer is instead using this initial contact that a potential client makes with them to learn more about you as the homeowner and to learn more about your project plans and then to educate you as to whether your brief and your budget are aligned and to really start to determine if they're going to be a good fit for your project and if your project is a good fit for their business. So you may see some builders and designers will actually have a questionnaire that they send to you as an initial contact that's about collecting more information from you about your project plans and your goals. Sometimes these questionnaires can actually be quite involved and they can include questions about your budget, detailed information about you and your family and exactly what you would like to do in your project. I see some homeowners get frustrated or even feel that these questionnaires are asking too much information. But it's worth understanding though that this is all really good information for a builder or a designer to have so they can actually give you good quality insight into your project right from the start. I see homeowners fear that they're only being asked about their budget so that the professional can decide if the project's going to be a waste of their time or not, or so that they can then simply start the conversation from there and just max out the planning of the project to that budget without, you know, being honest if the budget could have been less um, to begin with. However, more often than not, the first conversation that the designer or builder is probably going to need to have with you is going to involve suggesting that your budget isn't sufficient for your brief or wishes because you've heard me speak before about my general experience in doing this for over 25 years is that 
it's so rare for a homeowner to come to the beginning of this process with a brief and a budget that are aligned. Generally, the budget is 50 to 75% of where it needs to be to match the brief that the homeowner has in mind. So that's generally the first kind of conversation a builder or a designer is having with you anyway. So based on your initial inquiry, particularly if you're approaching a building, uh, a builder or a designer that uses the pack process as standard, they may be asking you if you've already picked anybody, anybody else from your team. So a builder, if you're approaching them first, they may be asking if you already have a, di- a designer on board and a designer may be asking you if you've already got ideas about a potential builder that you want to use. So as you can imagine, the pack process works well when a builder and a designer know how to work well together and collaborate well. And so that can be then a case if they're suggesting someone else that you might work with or suggesting someone from their own networks or whether they're going to need to be working with somebody that you already have on board. Now, I'm finding that there's lots of homeowners these days, particularly with all of the access that we have to all of the people that we might want to work with on social media, um, you know, and uh, using digital sources. I see homeowners think that it's okay to make their initial inquiry with a potential builder or a designer via Facebook Messenger or via Instagram DMs or even via sending an SMS uh, to a designer or a builder's uh, mobile number. Now, it's worth understanding this is really hard for any business operator to track and to administer and it's also hard for that professional then to pass on your contact to them to any admin staff that they uh, might have in their office, on their team, that also help them administer and manage their client inquiries. You know, I know, for example, I will get inquiries on house, um, on the house platform, then a message to me directly from house and then they hit my inbox and I've got to log back into house in order to reply to them. These people, they've clearly just searched uh, the terms architect and northern New South Wales, for example, and then they've sent, a, it's, it's so obvious that they've just sent a house message to a bunch of professionals who turn up in that search. They've just got a standard cut and paste message that they're sending to all of these designers. You know, the fact that I don't do traditional architectural services, that I don't work with people one-to-one on creating their designs like that, it hasn't even hit their radar. They've not looked at my website. They've not seen if I do projects like theirs. They've not made any effort to see if I'm the right person for their project. So I think it's really better for all professionals to send you as the potential client to an online form or a questionnaire that's part of their inquiry process. You know, if they as a professional, if they can actually automate that first step in their process, it means that they're ultimately going to get far better information from you and then be able to take a lot more productive steps in your project is going to mean that you just don't waste time you know, stuffing around and not getting responses from them. Now in Live Life Build, we actually suggest to our builder members that they create online forms for their client inquiries because that can streamline their inquiry process. You know, if professionals don't have a system to collect the right kind of information from you from the outset, then you as a homeowner can waste a lot of time toing and froing through these initial steps with professionals who are less organised. I've seen professionals take inquiry calls from homeowners whilst they're out and about um, or they might be in the midst of doing something else and so they miss collecting specific information or they can't give you their full attention. It's so it's it's just far better for you to, to have to go through some specific steps like an online form at the beginning because it'll save you time and it'll give the professional the information that they need to give you really good quality feedback and advice right from the start. So my suggestion with these initial inquiries is this, you want to do some research on those that you send inquiries to, as opposed to just spraying out a bunch of inquiries to anyone that you can find on Google. 
and then be honest with the information that you provide. And if you don't want to be specific about something like your budget, at least provide a range. Now, if you don't feel comfortable giving all of the information that they're asking in their online forms, then let them know so that they can at least then take the next steps with you, perhaps based on a verbal conversation or whatever is the next step in their process. But you've shown that you're actually doing the playing the, that part of giving them the information that they need to then work out if they're going to be able to give you the right kind of guidance and take those next, next steps with you in your project. So next after that initial inquiry comes that first point of contact. So if you've lodged an inquiry form or you've sent an email to a designer or a builder, then you should ideally hear from them. Remember though that things can end up in junk mail, you know, good professionals are super busy and they can be completely maxed out work-wise. However, I believe that professional operators, and if you're a designer or a builder, please listen to this, professional operators will, they should and they will have processes to manage client inquiries and they should have protocols they follow in order to get back in touch with you in a timely fashion, even if they're too busy to take on your project. Now, unfortunately, a lot of smaller operating uh, builders and designers, they just may not have administrative support. They may be handling all of their own client inquiries and that can be problematic if they're also flat out with work. However, if they are organized and they realize the value in their client inquiries, then they're going to be getting back to you. It might just take a little longer. I find it really frustrating to hear homeowners never hear back from professionals that they get in touch with. Uh, you know, I think if you've gone through the effort of, of doing an online inquiry form or going to somebody's website and following the information and the ways that they request you get in touch with them, then, you know, I think that it's important that you hear back from them. I think you can certainly accept that perhaps sometimes your email might have hit their junk mail the first time around or that you may need to follow up once. But if you're continually following up and you're still not hearing from them at all after weeks and weeks, take it as a really good sign to just cross them off your list. Now, that initial phone call is where they as a professional, they're going to be seeking more information from you. They're going to be clarifying the information that they that you put into your inquiry form. And they're also going to be educating you on their process and how they work with you, plus what the next steps are going to look like. So this might be where they can start sharing information on the PAC process. Um, but if, you know, if you've contacted them and you don't have uh, another member of your team, so you've only contacted the designer, for example, and you don't have a builder in mind, then they're going to be trying to determine as part of this conversation with you, who might be the best fit for collaboration based on your project and what might suit your project and you. So, you know, they're going to be trying to elicit from you what kind of project you're trying to do and think about in their networks who might be a really good fit. But just like you're interviewing them, it's going to be important too that you interview anybody else that they're suggesting or putting forward. You need to find the right fit for you and then it's up to the designer and the builder to figure out how they're going to work professionally together and create that collaborative relationship. So it's really essential though that you don't feel like you're being coerced into using any particular professional just because it's who your designer might be recommending or it's just who your builder might be recommending. Now a message to professionals at this point, it's actually really helpful generally, <laughs> I'll say, to have some information about how you work as a professional on your website or as a PDF, okay? So it just prevents you from having to have the same conversation over and over at this point. And I can find, I find that it can also be really super helpful for homeowners to just to be able to review this type of information on your website or via a PDF that they might, you might receive on email from them 
so that they can just get the chance to process it and to ask you questions rather than, you know, jumping on this phone call, being bombarded by information about something that they don't have any experience in, in this initial call. And then they get off the phone and then they think about all these questions that they wanted to ask you. And now they're off the phone. So it's really, you know, if you can streamline as a design professional or a building professional, if you can streamline for homeowners, getting information about who you are, what you do and how you do it by having it on your website already or in a PDF that you can send them, it'll just help them be far more informed in that conversation um, when they're having it with you during this initial call. Now, you might not get this past this point as a homeowner with a professional if your project isn't a good fit for their business or they just don't have capacity to meet your timeframes. The benefit though of the pack process is that at this point, they can often get started in some capacity um, generally, and then they can fit you into their workflow overall as the project develops. It does give a little bit more flexibility about what about what the start date might look like and you know what what that progress might look like for your project. Now, even in this initial phone call conversation, even this early in the piece, they should be explaining to you the way that they will work with you. They should be answering your questions and they should be giving you some frank feedback about your budget and whether it's sufficient for what you want to achieve. The benefit of the pack process is though that you can actually shape a design to meet the budget that you have. However, if you are super fixated on the scope of your renovation or new build, but you can't shift your budget at all, then you may not get great news from these professionals at the outset. Now, you may also be asked by a building, uh, a builder or a designer, if you've already spoken to lots of other designers or builders about your project, this can seem like a strange question, but the reason that it gets asked is this. There are homeowners who are told several times over that they actually don't have sufficient funds to do the size project that they want to do. And yet they just keep looking for the professional who tells them, yes, we can do that. And they keep asking professionals until they find that professional who's willing to say yes. Now, good operators, they don't want to waste their time or yours. And so they will look out for this in homeowners. If they're experienced and they've had this, they've been burned by this, particularly in the past, then this will become part of their question process um, in their initial calls. And so they'll generally use this opportunity to avoid working with someone who clearly isn't listening to the advice that they're receiving from professionals if they've just been asking loads and loads of people this and getting no from lots of other professionals. Now, when you're first speaking to a uh, designer or an architect and then they say to you that they're going to get back to you with more information and this applies wherever you are in your process, um, same thing when you're dealing with any professional, okay? If they say to you, okay, next step is we're going to do this, this and this and you'll hear from us with this, this and this, then my tip is always that you ask, when can I expect to hear back from you? I get lots of messages from homeowners who will ask me if it's too soon to follow up or to call a professional back because they haven't heard back from them like was promised and they just fear that they're going to be seen as a nagging or an annoying homeowner and be that kind of client right from the outset and and uh, have a black mark put against their name. Now, if you've actually asked for a time indication in that initial call at the outset and in any conversation that you're having with them, if you've asked for a time indication and they've volunteered one, and then you don't hear back within that time frame. that gives you permission to follow them up. So you really want to set up your ability to follow people up in that at, at the point of communication and requesting sort of what those next steps are. 
Now, okay, so we've gone through the initial inquiry, we've gone through the initial phone call, then the first meeting can happen. And as I said, right up at the start, it may not necessarily follow this process. This is an indication it can change based on the builder, the designer and the way that they do things. This is just giving you a general run through of what we generally see happen. Now, the first meeting will happen, okay? And so in the pack process, this first meeting, it can happen with both the designer and the builder together. Or if you're choosing a designer and a builder who haven't worked together yet, or perhaps you're choosing the designer first, but you're not sure about the builders that they're recommending, then they may meet separately with you first to just see how um, how you're working. And then if you're wanting to match together a, a designer and a builder that haven't worked together, they may want to meet separately on their own just to see how they could discuss further what their collaboration might look like. And so that that meeting may happen separate to you. So there can be a little bit of uh, flex and change in how those meetings with each other and with you might work. So, um, you know, and the designer could come into you f- to meet you first on site and, uh, and then come back later with a builder or they may send you to chat to a few builders who might meet with you separately. All of that beginning of the PAP process can vary a little just based on how the designer and the builder handle working together and how also the, the, how you might want to be driving the interview process with your designer and your builder and whether you're trying to bring together two people who haven't worked together before. The key for this first meeting though is this, okay? <laughs> now, this is not where you start discussing ideas and possibilities for your project. Uh, many homeowners will make the mistake of treating this first meeting as an ideas mining exercise where they're literally walking around with whoever the professional is and asking things like, you know, could we do this? How much is it going to cost to do this? Do you think this would be a better option? Um, you know, and really spending a lot of time diving into all the if, buts and maybes of what a renovation or a new build might look like. This meeting, to be frank with you, it doesn't even need to happen on site necessarily. You know, this meeting is actually about you meeting your potential team and you learning more about what they have to offer, how they can help and what it's going to be like to work with them. So here you're going to be checking for their credentials. You're going to be asking them about their business, about their insurance, about their project experience. They're going to be sharing their expertise and their experience with you. They're ideally going to be giving you confidence in their ability to deliver your project. They're going to be showing you examples of their work so that they can help you understand what you can expect from them in the deliverables they might provide and in the quality of work that they do. You're going to be getting a feel for their communication style. You're going to be seeing how they listen to you, what they're seeking to learn about you and your goals for your project. You know, this is the first steps in you getting to know each other and seeing whether you could work collaboratively together for the foreseeable future. Now, ideally at this point, you're also going to be finding out the details of their process and specifically the pack process. So they're going to be explaining the process to you in detail, helping you understand what you can expect, what they're going to provide, what their fee will be, how you're all going to work together and the kinds of information that they're going to give you along the way. And also generally how long things are going to take so that you have an understanding of the overall scope and what the process is going to look like through that. Now, ideally at this meeting, which generally can go for about an hour or so, you're going to be able to come out of this meeting with a much uh, better ability to make some confident decisions around whether you want to proceed or not. So you might, of course, have a few more questions, but if they've done their job as professionals, then they'll have expertly taken you through this part of the process so that you feel informed and comfortable about the next steps and whether you see value in moving forward with them. And you'll 
you'll potentially get asked by building and design by builders and designers are all the decision makers on this project going to be present at this meeting and they won't want to attend a meeting with you unless all decision makers are going to be present and that's because they need everyone who is involved in the project to have that conversation with them once and make sure that it happens and everybody is in a place of understanding because if you don't do it that way, you just delay uh, getting on board the project and you make things far more confusing that they need to. So, so it's essential if you as a couple are doing this project that you both make yourself available for that initial meeting, you're both involved in it, you're both um, having conversation with the builder or the designer and really getting your head in that as a collective uh, and as co-decision makers on the project. Don't think that just one of you can do it and then brief the other one later on. Now, before I roll on, I'm going to mention that, remember, you can download a PDF transcript of this episode. So we've got it as a free PDF transcript. You can grab it from the website. And if you head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 202, that's 202, the numbers 202, then you'll be able to find it there, plus all the other resources I'm mentioning in this episode. Okay, so the next step is then it's about getting agreements signed. So now remember with the pack process, you are independently and separately contracted to both the builder and the designer, and they're going to have uh, agreements independently with you for you to sign. So the designer is going to be creating a fee proposal that's going to be specific to your project and the extent of work. It's not going to be a fixed fee like the pack, um, the builder's pack process generally is. It's going to scope out instead their design services, the design stages of your project, all the things that they're going to be providing as part of their services of working with you as your designer. Remember, I've got a specific episode on what the designer should include in their fee proposal. And it's also got a bonus download that you can grab that's a PDF that you can literally use as a checklist against a fee proposal to see that it's got everything in it that you need in order to manage your risk around the designer's fee and work. Um, then you can grab that. So if you head to www.undercoverarchitect.com designer fee, and that's all one word, designer fee, you'll be able to access that uh, episode and have a listen to it and also access that free download. Okay, so the pack, so the designer is going to do their free proposal and the pack agreement will be what the builder will have in regards of commencing the pack process with the builder. So the pack agreement, that paid as consultant agreement is going to be a standalone agreement that just covers the scope of services involved in the pack process. Now, as I said in the last episode, builders, they can charge a range of fees here. We've seen everything from $1,000 to over $7,000 sometime. It's really the scope uh, that's going to qualify where this fee is being spent. So I, you know, it's really worthwhile you understanding what's inside that scope and reading, reviewing what that pack agreement contains. Now, I, Understand though, please know this, I am yet to see a builder charge for the pack process what that service actually costs them to deliver because what I see time and time again is that builders will spend far more time working with you in this way than their fee actually compensates them for, all right? It's just a case of you making sure that you read through the scope and you're very clear on what you're going to be getting delivered as part of the builder working with you through the pack process. So review their pack agreement for information such as, you know, how your project's going to be priced during the pack process. How agile is the builder going to be with pricing? Because if you're wanting higher accuracy and thoroughness, 
then that's going to drive the need for more highly resolved drawings, plus also longer pricing timeframes, because that's going to enable the builder to be sending drawings out to subbies and suppliers for formal quotes. And so that may change how agile the pricing process actually is. It might mean that you're just getting two two sort of chunky pricing exercises done at different stages of the project. Um, So you're just going to have to work out if that's the kind of information that you want or if you want something more agile but less accurate. Now, you also want to know, is your builder going to be attending all of your design meetings? I would suggest that they should. Um, And is your builder going to be doing investigative work on your existing home and on your existing block of land? Again, I would suggest that they should. Uh, Also, is your builder going to be assisting with consultant coordination? So I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, And you want to understand, as I said earlier, how many times is your project going to be formally priced? as it develops through this pack process and also what's not included in the pack process fee. What is the builder excluding from their scope of services? Now, the idea here is that the designer and the builder are working as a collaborative as a collaborative team together. So it really works best this way. And that means that you're all going to be working closely together through the design phase. The builder is going to be coming to your regular design meetings. They're going to be assisting with information on buildability and they're going to be providing input based on their previous projects and their knowledge of materials and construction. So you're going to want them attending all the design meetings and they may, the designer, depending on who they are, may want assistance with that consultant coordination and with conversations uh, with your consultants as well. Now, communication here works best when it's CC'd to all parties. So you're that way then you're not feeling like the meat in the sandwich in disagreements between your builder and your designer. They're working together and you also feel that you're being represented by each of them in the way that they work with you. So the three of you are actually able to have really frank, open conversations with each other. You're across everything all together and you as the homeowner, you don't feel left out of any communication with them because they're CCing you in on everything that they're discussing as well. Now, the next stage is that the design process begins. So if you're working with a collaborative team who are experienced in delivering on projects like yours, then they're going to be able to set a framework for your project based on the cost of recent projects. So this might be through identifying a similar recent project or projects and really identifying what their price per square meter was and setting that as the budget starting point for your project. So this can be helpful because you then have a comparative example that's real and that actually represents the quality of finishes and design that you wish to achieve in your project. Now, usually the beginning of any design process is going to is a case of investigation and exploration. There's also many ways to meet a brief and to create a new home or a renovation design that delivers all the wishes and wants outlined by a client. And the designer is going to be making inquiries about your local town planning rules and the constraints on your property and on your site and what that's going to mean for the design options that they're going to be able to explore. The builder is going to be doing their investigative work as well on your existing home or your site um, so that they can identify what physical or built features exist and how that might be impacting the design too. The design phase though, it's really worth understanding, it is the designer's process. So the builder is a consultant here, they're not the one driving the process. Whilst the whole team works closely together, it's actually the designer that drives it, that sets the agenda and the workflow and the pace at which you work. The builder is accountable to you, but they're not your project manager during this phase. They're not the one that you call if you think the designer is taking too long or not performing to scratch. It's important that you remember your relationship with with each of these professionals independently and that this is the designer's process. Now, the design phase, it is an iterative process. So there's ideas being tested, you know, 
and they're being tested against your wishes and the nature of the site and the nature of your budget. So there should be a structure to it and there should be expectations around timeframes, around the numbers of meetings, around the development of options and about what will actually trigger you moving from one stage of design to another. Design meetings that you're having with your designer and with your builder, they should be minuted. Um, your, your designer should be minuting these and there should be a record of all discussions plus the decisions that are made and the recommended actions. Now, if you change your mind about the scope of your project or about the budget, then that may change the designer's fee because their fee is going to be based on what you established as the scope and the budget at the outset. And if you backtrack on something that you previously agreed to, you may find that the designer's fee changes. The pack process, it is, it is not a bottomless pit of collaborative work where you have the designer and the builder at your disposal to sort out a design that meets your budget with as many options as it takes to make that happen. That's not what you're buying here, okay? And the pack process is also not a bottomless pit of collaborative work in which to explore, you know, 213 different options and what it's going to cost you for to switch things in and out 10 different times or, you know, for you to explore seven different approaches to your design and get those all drawn up and priced independently of each other for you to then make a decision. That bottomless pit of approach of design and costing and option exploration, it's actually impossible for a design professional to put a fixed fee against that kind of approach. I've seen some designers, they'll propose a monthly retainer when clients have wanted that kind of open-ended approach. And some clients are happy to do that. However, it's not great if you don't have experience in something like this as a client and you're not really sure how long this can all take. And also if you don't have a bottomless wallet to go with that bottomless pit of exploration um, to in order to continue paying each month as you explore you know, all of the options and all of the ideas. The way that the designer works inside the pack process collaboration, it still works very similarly to the design process. So you're going to still need to create a brief, you're going to need to set a budget, you're going to have to agree on a scope and then trust the designer to come up with their best suggestions to deliver on all of those with the builder's input and assistance along the way. And you're also going to need to commit to decisions along the way. You're going to have to be resolving the design in more and more detail as time passes. And so the builder will provide their input based on the scope that was outlined at the beginning and then be providing their input on those selections and decisions as you go. Now, in terms of determining the cost of your design, there may be specific points in the design process where there's a pause. And this might be the point where they do a thorough review to formally price the project and then give you that feedback based on selected items, supply quotes, takeoffs, et cetera. However, remember here that the costs can move because the design process itself, it can sometimes go over a six, nine, 12 month period, depending on the size of your project. Construction costs are not going to be fixed over that time. So you may find that you're working on the design and then there's a price rise on a specific product that'll push your cost up. And then that might involve a slight redesign or a scaling back or in an increase in your budget to adopt the increased cost. And all of these things, they may have an impact on your design fees and result in a change of design fees. There's also going to be some things which due to your lack of resolution or decision making based on where you're at in the project, they can only be allowances. And so they're going to be subject to change as you pin down selections and you finalise those choices as well. But that's not fair, I can hear you say. If the price can move or I'm going to get charged extra fee for changes, why would I bother having a builder involved? It's because of this. The cost of construction is bound to move during your design phase anyway. But if you don't have the builder involved, you'll have no idea about that movement until after your design is completely finished and all drawn up 
by which stage a change will be far more significant and expensive to adopt. The nature of design fees also is that they're commensurate with the scale and the scope of your project. And so if that changes, then it's not initially what you agreed with your designer and they have the opportunity to review their fees. The difference between involving a builder during all of this as opposed until waiting after is that you can then change and pivot as you go. And this will mean far less headaches in the long run. The changes are going to be more incremental. They're easier to adopt. And they're, so they're not as big a deal in design or uh, fees or time or impact on your project. Now, the builder and the designer, they do not control the pricing fully. There are a massive range of market forces that can drive pricing and that will impact what pricing can and will do in the industry. So the builder's ability to deliver your project, it can rely on a lot of external suppliers and subcontractors whose pricing that they'll have no control over. And they interpret all of this into its application in your project. And where the benefit lies is that they can then point out where adaptations need to be made to respond to those external changes. So you're not creating a design that you can't afford to build. Now, if you're wanting to get a check price on the builder's pricing, it's always worth remembering that you can hire a quantity surveyor or a building estimator during this phase, and they can then give you an estimate on the project. So I'm going to explain a little later about how their estimate differs from what the builder is doing. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Now, the last stage, obviously, we've been through the design phase. We've potentially done a couple of uh, cost reviews and then we'll be finalising the builder's proposal. So the benefit of the pack process is that the builder and the designer are going to work closely together during the design phase so that when it actually comes time to creating your final pre-contract proposal that your fixed price contract is going to be based on, that proposal can be done in an incredibly thorough way. So as you're traveling through the design phase and the designer and the builder are working collaboratively, you're going to be making more and more detailed decisions. These are going to include specific choices around materials, fixtures, finishes and products. So all of this builds more resolution into your design and it helps the builder provide more accurate pricing for your project. The goal is to get to the end of the design process with a well-resolved design that you're ready to hit go on with construction drawings and also to have your selections and your specifications in place. So this can be one of the most different parts of working this way in your project because often what happens in traditional projects is one of two things. So you'll either be working with a designer and it's usually that it's an architect that this will happen with where your project is being fully designed, fully documented and all your selections are being made and they're all being included in your drawings and selection schedules. And you'll have a full set of comprehensive drawings and specifications and then those will all get bundled out to send out for tender. And builders are then able to quote knowing exactly what they're pricing. So you're likely to get accurate proposals from them. However, if they've not been involved during the design process, then what we often find is that those proposals will come back over your budget, largely due to uh, inaccuracies between what the architect has estimated it's going to cost versus what the builder actually prices it at. Now, the alternative is that you're working with the designer who resolves the design or the drawings, but they let you delay all the specific decisions around selections of fixtures and finishes uh, until after your builder negotiations. So they'll tender out your drawings and the builder's pricing that comes back, it'll include estimates for finishes, fixtures, or even whole fit outs like your kitchen and your appliances. And then you'll choose a builder based on the price that you prefer and the builder that you prefer and you'll sign a contract. And then as you move through construction and you're instructed to choose your tiles or your flooring or to finalize your kitchen design, you'll inevitably find out that the allowances that are included in your initial proposal from the builder, that they're not sufficient for the selections that you're making. And so because you're inside a contract already, you have to either pay a variation on the contract sum to include what you want, 
or you have to substitute it with something that costs less. So the PAC process actually engineers these two scenarios out of the project experience because the builder's creating your proposal through the design process itself. They're shaping that proposal with the selections that you want and then you have the chance to adjust and change in order to meet your budget prior to signing a fixed price contract. Plus all those selections, they're actually getting embedded into your contract documentation and detailed and drawn. So there's no confusion during the build about what you want and what you're expecting. Now you have to navigate, of course, the requirements around your town planning approval process and the building approval process based on where you live and your council requirements for the project that you're planning. And so those requirements, they can impact the workflow of your design process and the stages of resolution and what drawings are done and when and when the builder can prepare and finalise their proposal for you in the PAC process. So in some locations, you can be confident that the project you're designing will actually pass all council and building requirements. Your design team then can be working collaboratively with those consultants during the design phase to give you certainty around that. And that can mean that your design resolution can be happening just with simple pauses in your timeline and your workflow as those approvals are sought before you move on to the next design phase. And the builder can be helping you streamline your selections. And they might even use the downtime that you have whilst you're waiting for approvals to be going and visiting suppliers and deciding on items and fixtures and finishes. In other locations though, and it'll be still be dependent on your council and the conditions with which you have to get approval on your project, it can sometimes not be possible to have that certainty around your approval process. So the designer can be collaborating with those consultants to mitigate your risk during approvals. Uh, and But you can find that you might hit stall points, for example, you know, if a neighbour has particular objections or your project is contentious or you're in a particularly restrictive zoning area. And so those instances, you may need to delay certain steps in design resolution and decision making until you're further along in your design process. Or alternatively, you may need to just be willing to take on some risk for redesign or reselection, um, because that may be necessary if you get if you have proceeded and then you get approval conditions from your council or your building approval process that then mean that you have to make change. So it's going to be up to your designer to help you understand how your process and project is going to need to travel and how to best manage and mitigate your risk during that process whilst giving you strategies. They're going to enable you to streamline and to keep things moving where possible. The last step in the PAC process, however, it's the creation of that final pre-contract proposal. And when it's done well, it can actually become the specification for your project. So if the builder does do a really thorough, a very detailed proposal, then that's going to include information on all of your selections, all of your decisions, and it's going to reference all of the drawings that have been created to explain your project as well. Now, you'll have confidence that that proposal incorporates the discussions and decisions that you've been making up to this point. However, I still highly recommend that you need to read it in detail because we're all humans and humans make mistakes. So don't assume that everything is included just because it's all been discussed before and during design. Still go over all of your drawings in detail, all of the specifications and proposal with a fine tooth comb. Iron out all assumptions because this is going to be the last point where you're pre-contract and you might be able Able to pivot and change if it's still needed. Now, lastly, let's have a, a brief talk about the pricing input provided by a QS, a quantity surveyor, versus what's in a builder's proposal. So something that's always available to you, whether you're using the pack process or not, is the option to access the services of a quantity surveyor or QS as they're referred to, or a building estimator. So these consultants, they're specialists in providing advice on the cost of your project. They generally cost anywhere between you know, $800 and up to $3,000 I generally find to use. And that'll depend on their business and the extent of information that they provide and how they work. 
These consultants, they will access databases of costing information from a variety of sources in order to determine the cost of your project. They can prepare what's known as takeoffs, where they're measuring all the components, the materials and the products in your reno or new build drawings. And then they're applying rates that they've sourced from industry figures um, to determine the rate or the cost for your project and across all the various trade packages and things like that. And they'll generally adjust that based on your project location. Also the standard of finish that you're seeking. And, you know, especially if you haven't made the actual selections yet to inform their pricing, they're going to make estimates based on the, the standard of finish or how high end the project is basically. So now builders and designers, you'll often hear them say that pricing received from quantity surveys or building estimates, estimators that it's not necessarily accurate because it's based on averages that are sourced from a range of data. It also requires that your design and drawings actually be at a particular level of resolution to get decent quality feedback um, and something, you know, that you can actually give these professionals to accurately measure and assess what the cost of your project is going to be. Now, I've seen a quantity surveyor or building estimators uh, estimates sometimes be out by as much as 10 to 15%, which in a million dollar build can be quite a lot of money. However, it also, you know, it's worth remembering this can be great as a check and it can give you some certainty that the builder's pricing isn't too over the top or too undercooked. And if you're worried that you're not getting the best value from a builder, then this can be a great way of helping you have more confidence. It can also um, give you the platform to actually have a comparative conversation with the builder and that can be helpful as well. Remember, however, though, that the quantity surveyor or the building estimator, they're only pricing based on databases and averaged industry information. The builder, if they're getting you formal pricing, it's actually pricing based on asking the specific suppliers and subcontractors what they're going to charge for their work and items in your actual project right now in current time based on your location and your project and your drawings itself. So that's very different to an estimate that's based on average rates and industry databases. I will say something here for a minute about one of the biggest areas of concern that I hear about the pack process, and that is this. It's homeowners worrying that they're being ripped off and that the builder isn't pricing the project as economically as they could, or that they're overpaying for their home and they're not getting the best value possible, and they're never really knowing that in the process. Now, this is a completely understandable concern. Of course, you know, your home, your home involves a big investment. It's going to be a lot of money for you and whatever amount you're spending, it's going to mean a lot. So the industry definitely has demonstrated where shoddy operators have ripped off and overcharged unsuspecting homeowners who haven't got what they've paid for and they don't find out until they're well down the track long after the builder is gone. Please understand though that the best way to avoid being overcharged or ripped off is not during the process of working with the builder, whether you're in the pack process and design phase or whether you're tendering the project traditionally and you're inside contract negotiations. The best way to avoid getting ripped off or overcharged is in your builder selection process in the first place. It's in being thorough in your due diligence and assessing the builder based on their previous projects, their expertise and their experience, their reputation and their desire to educate and support you. Now, in all the things that I talk about inside my Choose Your Builder mini course and also inside the home method, it you know, these are all questions that you can ask. You need to be having frank, open conversations with builders prior to bringing them into your project, whatever stage you're bringing them in at. Now, the pack process, it enables you to test that all you found out during your thorough due diligence actually follows through in your working relationship with the builder inside a preliminary agreement. 
If you wait until you're signing a building contract to test this, then that can be problematic if you find that things are not as they seemed and you're now legally bound to this working relationship in a much more significant way inside a building contract. I want to remind you that open, honest and transparent communication is really key here. So, you know, it's it's really important to know that the key to this working well, as is the case with most of your project, you know, that your communication is open, honest and transparent. So like I said, logistically, that means that all communication, all emails go to the whole team. You as the client, you're communicating simultaneously with the builder and the designer during the design phase. You're CCing both of them in on all of your email correspondence. You're sharing your thoughts on things with both of them and they're doing the same in return. Things start to go pear-shaped when the designer is having separate meetings with you, but then the builder's not informed of communication or of developments, or the builder's liaising with the client, but it's not discussing those conversations with the builder, with the designer, or the designer and the builder, they're privately discussing their project without you, the client's awareness of what's being shared or decided upon. You're a collaborative team. That's the whole point of the PAC process, and that means that you collaborate on everything. Also, you as the homeowner, you need to understand that you need to communicate. So that's going to mean asking questions when you're not sure about things. If you don't feel comfortable or you don't understand or you're worried about the budget or the process or how things are traveling, it's essential that you speak up and you ask questions. A great team will actually welcome this communication. They'll help you feel informed and they'll welcome any questions you have. There's no such thing as a silly question when you have a great team on board. Okay, that was a chunky one. That was the what of the pack process of taking you through what it can involve, what it can look like and what the steps uh, are for the pack process to be executed. Now, as I said up front, this may vary from builder to builder and designer to designer. It does work best though if both the builder and the designer are working very closely together and that that happens from the outset of the project. So I think you're going to learn even more about how well this can work as we jump into our next couple of episodes where you're going to hear directly from a building designer and from a builder about their own experience of the pack process. Now remember you can download a transcript of this podcast episode as a free PDF to read and review later. So head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 202 that's the numbers 202 to grab that now. It's going to be a great guide for you in assessing the conversations that you're having with potential designers and builders about your project and also in understanding more about the pack process generally. If you head to that link undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 202 you'll also find more helpful resources that I've mentioned in this episode. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.